Good evening. Uh, let's start tonight with a story. There are three very good Christians, and they won a lottery of a million pounds. Now, this is a story, I told you. <laughs> so the first person says, definitely this is a blessing from God. So how much are we going to give it to God, and how much are we going to keep it? So he draws a circle, and he throws all the money up in the air, and he says, if whatever money that falls outside will be ours, and whatever falls inside the circle will give it to God. Now the second person says, wait a minute, it's quite windy out here, so let's throw the money up, and whatever falls outside will give it to God, and whatever falls inside the circle, we'll keep that. And they looked at the third person and said, what do you think? So he thought for a minute, and he said, why don't we throw this money up in the air and let God grab whatever he needs, and the rest that falls on the ground, we'll keep that. The parable that we're going to explore tonight is, deals with the issue of greed. There are different definitions for greed, but I've picked one here. It is the unrestrained desire for earthly goods or power, which can instigate sinful actions such as hoarding of materials, theft, trickery, and manipulation. At the outset, let me tell you, while I was preparing this uh, for this, uh, for this passage for tonight, I was deeply challenged, and I had to make certain decisions how I would deal with the blessings God gives me, whether it be money or time or the skills that I have. And my desire tonight is to do the same for you, to challenge you, and not to send you on a guilt trip. Now, the object a person is greedy about need not be evil. But the issue lies in the way one regards it, placing inappropriate value on it. Paul, when writing to Ephesians in chapter 5, he says, No immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. That's a quite strong statement. St. Thomas Aquinas, he has ranked greed among the top seven deadly sins. It is a sin of excess. Quite often we notice that the have-nots, they're always satisfied when the needs are met. It is the haves are the one who always desire for more. So, let's have a look at the Bible passage tonight. It's found in Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. And if you're following the Pew Bible, it's in page 1045, 1045. <clears throat> the parable is called The Rich Fool. Now, before we move on to looking at the parable in detail, let me explain to you the context. Uh, for this, we have to look at the previous verses uh, in Luke chapter 12. The scene is, there's a huge crowd gathered around Jesus, and Jesus is talking to his disciples uh, who are up in front of him. And he's talking about the imminent persecution that the disciples are going to face. 
The persecution could be even martyrdom, and it became a reality for quite many of the disciples. So God is reminding his disciples that life is not all about this body. Life has got both body and soul, and this soul is eternal. So he is trying to um, help the disciples to focus on the eternal things, things above that pertain to heaven and his kingdom. So he's setting the priority right for his disciples. The priority is to obey God because he has got the control over your soul. And the priority is to stand up for Jesus and to honor his Holy Spirit. And it is in this context a man approaches Jesus to settle a dispute with his brother regarding property. Reading at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this is a distraction for his disciples because God has been talking about soul, eternal values, and this man is talking about material things. This is a stark reality for us today. Quite often, after hearing a stole-staring message or reading a life-changing book, our focus turns very quickly from eternal things to material and temporary things. Because we are being crowded and pressed on by people who live around us. It could be our friends, family, or colleagues, or the things we watch on TV or read on books. Now, this man addresses Jesus as a rabbi or teacher. Now, teacher or rabbi, are, they're like experts in the Jewish laws. So he is asking Jesus to uh, settle this issue. He's looking for that Jesus is a competent person. He will give a legal ruling on this issue. So he approaches Jesus with this petition. By the outset, it looks like this person has been denied of justice, and hence he seeks one. But one has to look into the uh, ancient Near Eastern culture. The firstborn son always receives double the portion of his father's inheritance. The reason is mainly for practical reasons, because in the absence of the father, or when he passes away, it is the sole duty of the eldest son to look after the family, and hence it receives a double portion. Now, this man whom we read in this passage is not the eldest son. So he summons his elder brother to divide his double portion. We also should notice that the inheritance each son receives in a family is more than enough to live a good life. We read that in many passages in the Bible. Like Isaac's sons, both Esau and Jacob, both had enough substantial material to live a life. Jacob divided his inheritance with all 12 of his sons. Even if you look at the prodigal son, the second son who went away, he had a substantial amount of money to live a good life. So the obviously, it shows that this man who has got good money still wants more from his brother. So Jesus refuses to take the role of a judge to settle family dispute. Rather, he addresses the root of the dispute, which is the sin of covetousness or greed. 
verse 14, Jesus replies, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Just earlier, Jesus had been explaining that life is not just about body, but it has got a soul. If you miss that and have a myopic view of our life, then we see just our body and all the materials that we need to support this body. So our prime importance becomes gathering all these materials. So we think that once we've got all this sorted, life is sorted for us. On top of this, the culture around us is focused just on these material things. It's focused on this body. It's easily done because this is visible for us, and this is tangible, and this is here and now. It's very, very challenging for us to keep this secondary, but to focus on the one that you don't see, your soul, which is eternal and which is going to play a crucial role in God's kingdom. Then Jesus sets all these things in the right order. He sets the priority, and he broadens the vision with the parable. Now, before looking into the parable, I just want to highlight the characteristics of, this, of any parable that we did come across in the Bible. First thing is, a parable is very brief and proportional. It cuts off all the uh, unnecessary details. And the setting and the story are from ordinary life. Now, our life is different from the ordinary life then, so we have to make a comparison. And a parable often include element of surprise and exaggeration. This is to grab the attention of the people and make it very compelling so the listener doesn't escape the truth that is in this parable. And lastly, parable asks the listeners to make judgments on the events of the story. So let's read the parable uh, from verse 16. Could we all stand up to read God's word? Verse 16, And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Take your seats. So in this parable, Jesus introduced the man as a rich person because he has received a good portion of his father's inheritance as a gift, which is substantial, and... On top of that, he has received a bumper crop. Now, bumper crop is an unexpected gift. If you remember reading Genesis 26, Isaac um, plants crops in his field, and that's very same year he got hundredfold 
And the Bible says, because God blessed him. So this man received this bumper crop. After receiving this great blessing from God, he makes three mistakes. First one, he didn't realize it was a gift. See, anything we have and everything we have is a gift from God. Let me put this in perspective. Living in certain part of the world or even certain part in a particular country is a gift. Imagine being born in a particular part of the world where poverty is the rampant or war-ravaged country. Our condition would be completely different. Even in today, some parts of India, a child to cross a first year is a big milestone given the high infant immortality. So even crossing the first year is considered to be a big celebration, so the parents throw a big party. Being born into a full functional family is a gift. Having parents who could afford us to give us shelter, give us food, and send us to education is a gift. And having the right contacts to further your life is a gift. Able to worship freely, attending church where you got a good team of leaders to give us good teaching is a gift. We don't earn them. These are gifts given to us by God. The rich man did not realize the bumper cross is a gift from God. The second mistake he makes is he didn't realize the reason behind the gift. Because of that, his gift has become a problem. Verse 13, he says, what shall I do? This is a question risen because of his increase in health. If he had realized this gift is from God, he would have asked God what to do about it. Rather, he assumed this gift is from his hard work or luck. So he thinks he's the sole proprietor of this wealth, and hence he's trying to find a solution by himself. He's trying to use his current problem to solve his future problem, to secure his future. So the parable says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? Then he goes on with a solution with the spotlight turned on to himself. The spotlight is so bright that he's not able to see the people living around him or look up to God to find out what he wants him to do with the gift. So he goes on with a spree of I statements. He says, I have no place to store. This is what I will do. I will tear down. I will store. I will say to myself. Now, praying God to God and reading his word, meditating on his word, and coming regularly to fellowship like this will help us to keep our focus on God and the eternal values. It will keep us uh, to be in sync with God's will and his kingdom. When situations arise where we have to take certain decisions, there is always help there, and it'll be God will guide us to make those decisions. And this will bring glory to God and expand his kingdom. It is always a good discipline to draw a line of luxury in our life. 
You know, anything this side of the line, we consider as need. Anything the other side of the line, you call it a luxury. So when God blesses you more, we have more to give to others. The problem is we subtly try to push this line away when God blesses us more, and we still end up, we don't have enough to give to others. But one might ask a question, why would God bless more to one person, not to the other? Well, when God created this world, he created so perfect, and he saw everything was good, and he created man and woman in his image, and he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And later on, he picked up a nation, and he blessed them with a land, and he told them to equally divide among themselves. But when the relationship with God broke, inequality crept in due to sin. When Mary broke the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, Judas whispers to the person sitting next to him, could not this perfume be sold and money be given to poor? Do you remember what Jesus said? The poor will be always be with you. Is Jesus approving poverty? No. He's only acknowledging as long as sin is in this world, depravity, inequality, and poverty will be always there. But however, when the kingdom race breaks into this dark, sin-dark world, God blesses people who are responsible to share his blessings with others. They're called to tear down their bonds and build the poorest ones so that when God gives them gifts, it will seep through to the people living around. Looking after the widows, oppressed, aliens, and fatherless, because generosity, compassion, and love are his image, and we are created in his image. The gifts could be our skills, our time, or money, or anything. The Bible teaches us not only to be greedy, but it asks us to do the opposite, to be generous, to be sacrificial in our giving. When we volunteer to serve in the church, whether in comedies or in clubs or shine, or when we open our houses for a small group, invite people for lunch, or give lifts to people, we are breaking down walls and building porous one. When I was living in England for a short term, I attended a church, and I heard a story there which really challenged me. There was this woman who worked in prison ministry, and she learned that one of the inmates is going to be released soon. And she also found out that he has no place to go. So she invited him to come and live in our house until he founds his own place. She opened up our house. She opened her family. She opened everything so that he could come and stay with her for, stayed for three months until he found his own job and own place. And eventually he became a Christian, not because of the words she spoke in the prison, but because she was able to share her family and her house as well. She tore down the bonds and she let the gifts be seeped through. Similarly, there were other people who have, during the time of recession, I know people who helped their mates to pay their mortgages until they got their jobs. 
We are blessed by God not to hold our wealth to ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. When Paul writing to his Corinthians, he writes it very clearly. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that having all contentment in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, tearing down the bonds and letting the grains to flow out. So the rich man, he didn't realize it was a gift. He didn't realize the reason behind the gift. The third mistake he did was he didn't realize the giver. Back to the parable. He comes up with a plan. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. See, from a worldly standard, what he is doing is a wise thing. He is thinking forward. Um, He wants to uh, settle his investment profile. He is planning for an early retirement. All these things are very good. But his focus is more on the gift. He gets greedy. He wants to build bigger bonds to keep everything for himself. And this has become an idol, as Paul mentions earlier in Ephesians. And he says to himself, you have plenty of grain and food laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And he's planned to lead a hedonistic lifestyle. The man has been portrayed implicitly as a self-enjoying person, a selfish person. But God calls him a fool because he has been misled. He thinks material is the permanent thing and this is going to secure his future. This is contradictory to the world. And he's also a fool because he thinks he's got control over everything, his position and his life. But God says, you are neither the master of your life nor your positions. For this very night, your life will be demanded from you. When God intervenes, it's too late. Jesus sets things right. If you read the following passage, you'll find Jesus wants people to be rich towards God. If life is about accumulation, it's not accumulation of worldly materials. It's accumulation of heavenly things, accumulation towards God. In later verses, Jesus says, don't worry about what you eat or what you wear, but seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't strive to promote ourselves to be lazy with our lives. Rather, as our lives being created in the image of God, we are blessed to sweat and work for a decent life. It doesn't mean we have to work tirelessly. We're challenged to work and build a just and righteous society. But quite often, we tend to increase our need, and this is wrong. This is where greed creeps in. Greed will never say enough. Greed could even shut the door to the kingdom of God. You read in Mark chapter 6 how hard it is for rich to enter the kingdom of God. If God has blessed us with gifts, let us not set our hearts on the gift, but rather let us be rich towards God. 
Let us tear down the bonds and build porous ones so that our gifts will seep through. 